Hi everybody, welcome to episode 8 of Recording is Eligible. Um, today we have an all Acme Packing Company version of the show. Um, JR is off this evening, um, but with me as always um, out in Colorado is... My name is Matt, but you can call me Matub. Ah yes, we all missed that last week, I know I did. Um, and special guest this week... As uh, Jonathan Barnett. I didn't know if you were going to give my name or if I had to yeah. fill in. All it's that. better if you say it. Uh, your name is pretty easy to do, but like, I still am not 100% sure how to say Matt's last name. Um, That's even... all right. Matt was making rhymes with my name that weren't actually rhymes on the uh, <laughs> acting. Uh, but in, in my defense, I knew that and I was just doing it to bother you. Oh, yes. Good defense. <laughs> That's a... oh, okay. But at least uh, you didn't call me or tell me to go eat a pork chop, as was done recently by a Yahoo. Uh, writer to me so <laughs> um, renowned so yeah uh i'm jonathan barnett i write uh fantasy uh sports for the acme packing i basically just do the packers rundown every week of packers and packers opponents who you might have and possible replacements you might, might want to have things like that um i also run a podcast of my own actually paul was our guest the last week yep last week uh, it's called the scotty johnny podcast because uh, I that one does rhyme actually, <laughs> and uh, we we put ours out uh, Monday night, so mine's available right now. It's myself and Aaron Flodham, who is a uh, a veteran. I d- I deployed with him to Taji, Iraq, and so we get together and talk sports and uh, just a bunch of randomness, of course, ensues because uh, Aaron doesn't pre- doesn't prepare. So it's <laughs> fun. It's it, yeah, and really, who needs preparation? It's a good podcast. It was fun doing it, and thanks for having me on. And uh, it, it, it's I've added it to my rotation. It is a good one to listen to. So I always forget to introduce myself. Um, I'm Paul Noonan. You all know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also write for Happy Pack Company, Shepherd Express, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So um, we can we can dispense with me. Um, well, I'll say if uh, anything comes up and you hear a bunch of children running here, it's a. Uh, I think the sirens just went off in Wisconsin Rapids. So uh, oh no. We might have uh, yep. severe, uh, either a tornado watch or severe thunderstorms, and uh, I might have company soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the podcast may get louder. There's a tornado where Jonathan is, and uh, yeah. that could always a risk for wherever we all are. But yeah, always. Uh. <laughs> well, actually, for me, uh, there has not been a recorded touchdown of a tornado in my city in ever. Are you sort of in like the 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 could possibly burn down area of Colorado? Um, so I am about a mile south of the burn down area okay and it can't burn down twice that is true you can only burn (laughs) that's the spirit that sounds like a challenge but like quite literally um i am close enough to the place where the fire was for their neighborhood to be on my next door and there are people in that neighborhood who like have scorched fence posts like that's where the fire stopped Jeez. okay so very very close well, on that fun note, um, <laughs> I waited till Matt took a sip before I said that. You um, almost made me spit up. This is a really good beer, by the way. I know we don't usually go over what we're drinking. I'm drinking uh, New Belgium's Oak Spire. It's in collaboration with Knob Creek. Oh, fun. It's um, 
a bourbon barrel ale. Ooh. It's uh, it has kind of the body of like something really light, like a lager and ale, and it has more of a stout profile with a really strong bourbon note. It is just delightful. That sounds good. That sounds good. Delightful. I actually have a cocktail. I made myself a rhubarb negroni. It is also delightful. I I just have a Coke Zero. Yeah. yeah. Delightful. Very healthy. Sort of. <laughs> sort of very healthy in a way. Yeah, with uh, Jack Daniels in it. <laughs> All right. Um, well, um, we we had we had a, a fun game, third time in a row. Um, yeah. Actually, I went to this one with my five year old, so I was I was up at Lambeau. Um, we we had a good time. He made it all the way through. Um, he did a great job. had a, had a blast. Um, one thing you should know if you take a small child to Lambeau. So when I could take the kids to Brewer games, um, I usually ply them with candy the whole time to keep them interested. And uh, Lambeau doesn't have a lot of junk food. Um, they mostly just have peanuts and popcorn and. Uh, there's not really sweet stuff, which is very surprising. And I actually went and asked the information desk if they had like a place to get candy or anything. And she said, no. And we actually have parents ask us this all the time because there's not a lot of kid food. You know, there's like fried kid food and hot dogs and stuff. But um, there's not like really junk, junk food at Lambo. They don't have it. So um, just be, be warned of that if you take a little kid there. Um, by like a hot dog inside a bratwurst inside a Polish sausage, but not not candy. Huh? Exactly, they have like adult junk food. So, yeah. um, actually, but, I think that they should bring back the horse collar brat. Like you're being hyperbolic, but I miss that thing. I'm not being hyperbolic. That's great. It was fantastic. It's absolutely wonderful. What? Uh, that's what they called it. That's what that was. The horse collar brat. They had a gigantic. Yeah, like there was a. It was, it was a very large kind of rope kind of brat like that. It was very very. <laughs> There's also the pack and cheese, which is apparently an award-winning sort of mac and cheese <laughs> by my parents' seats for those games. Hmm, did not know that. It's very good. I gotta walk around more next time. Um, yeah, you have a mac and cheese that has bratwurst in it. It's so good. Yeah. There is a there is a bar slash cafe here um, called the Wild Goose that they do brat nachos. Work works surprisingly yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. We we had a few places to do the brachos here. The <laughs> Also, I think that was a a dad boner favorite back when that was still a thing. <laughs> the the brats the brat nachos. Anyway, um, pretty good game. A lot like the other games that we've had so far. Got off to a really quick start. Like Matt Lafleur is very good at scripting plays to start off. Um, they they got out ahead and then things kind of slowed down, just like they they have for the last two games. And also again, the defense was dynamite, although. Maybe showed a little bit of weakness in terms of the running game because um, they did get. It wasn't really bad in terms of average, but uh, they definitely had Philip Lindsay stuffed on a fourth and one that would have ended the game essentially. And he powered in for a touchdown. I think kind of miraculously, that was a ridiculously good play. Um, <laughs> and um, while they did get to Joe Flacco a lot, he was able to dink and dunk a little bit. And um, like Jail Alexander was great, Darnell Savage was great, but Kevin King had a real tough time out there. He got toasted pretty badly on a couple of plays. So um, first of all, just what did everybody think? General impressions um, was this kind of just the same as we've seen so far? Anything to be optimistic about? Anything that made you sad going forward? Um, Jonathan, start with you. You're- I think the thing that gets me a little more hopeful is that there were second half points that that finished drives in that regard even though there was a missed field goal as well which was a drive that got into field goal position in in the end there that would have made it a 14 point game that that gives me some more hope because i think that there's you know those are obviously well beyond the the scripted portion of the game 
so I, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, yeah, other than that, I, I think part of this too is you know, we've got a third game ever head coach, and so did the Broncos. So there was a lot on both sides that maybe is, I mean, this, the Broncos were getting better. I think they're getting better as their games go on too. We just kept slightly ahead of their pace as we went. Uh, I definitely liked that we were able to get out of the scripted stuff and still find a way to to maintain that lead and and stay with it. Even with a couple games that didn't go perfectly well, we they found plays that worked. Matt, anything I think different? That's a that's a fair assessment. Yeah, um, so. One thing I did notice was I was this was my first game that I've watched from my local Packer bar in like the last three years. So it was kind of hard to pay attention as I was I was a couple two three hams tall boys in at that point. Um, but one thing I did notice throughout the game was watching Flacco play a timing game that you traditionally don't see Packers opponents play, where he was doing three and five step drops and hitting uh, like crossing routes at the top of his drop. And I was like, oh man, that means that like the league truly respects the pass rush at this point. Like we we're now seeing people game planning for a Packers defense as opposed to just like going out and lightening it up. And so outside of the offensive struggles, I did finally see uh, someone else respect the Packers defense, which then makes me finally kind of go, okay, well, maybe this is real. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I I definitely think, you know, nobody has a world beater offense that we played so far, but they've been so dominant, um, especially pass rush wise, that I think we can, we can conclude they're at least pretty real. Like, Maybe they still have a few weaknesses to iron out, but they're going to get after people and hit people. So um, that's going to be a strength all year, and that's good. That's good to see. Um, The one thing I did like was the Danny Vitale pass. So I do want to talk about that a little bit because, first of all, it it was a great play call, and he really sold his his part of the fake really well. Um, I I actually forget who the running back was in that play, but um, also everybody did a good job, and he really got into that pattern fast. And I do kind of wonder... Just how, with how bad the tight ends have been generally, if we might see him more and more and more as time goes on, because he is probably the fastest, you know, H backy tight end type person on the team, and he has always had good hands in college. It was his specialty. Um, Lafleur has used fullbacks before a lot, and I, like I, I don't know. I'd like I know that's a deception play. You can't run it, you know, ten times a game, but I wouldn't mind seeing him get in a lot more. That was my favorite play of the game. Well, it's. It's funny because you always talk about how Mercedes Lewis is like the perfect LaFleur yeah, tight end. Exactly. And Danny is the perfect LaFleur fullback. And he's so in college, if you watch his highlights, the announcers always refer to him as the super back because they he he wasn't really a running back because I think he legitimately ran less than ten times in college, but he caught uh, it was like a hundred balls or something, like yep. some ridiculous number. And so everybody knows he went to Northwestern, who the Badgers played this weekend, and was a, a Fitzgerald favorite in terms of offensive weapon. So. <laughs> See, and and I guess this is where I have to admit, while I also don't like baseball, I'm not a big college football guy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I love college football in March when I'm watching for prospects. <laughs> Outside of that, not so much. I love college football. Um, and I remember watching Vitali and, uh, and he, yeah, they always did call him the super back yep. all the time, which at the time, you know, cause he was playing against the team I was rooting for. I was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, he definitely was, he, he was very good. And, uh, the biggest thing about that is too, is not only did he get the catch, uh, but he is, he was just, he was flying for a fullback. He was moving really well down the sideline and it looked like he was going to get in, um, just 
right past uh, Josie Jewell was the guy, I think, covering him there. And he, he did not look like he belonged on the field with uh, Vitaly at that point. He did not. In, in fairness to Jewell, um, he did leave the game with a hamstring injury a few plays after yep. that. So he may not have been quite at full speed, but he still got just toasted by a fullback. So um, yeah. good to see. And, and uh, good catch. I mean, he got around. He got his hands yep. to it. The ball was thrown perfectly, too. Uh, just really good timing all around on that play. Yeah, one of one of Aaron's best throws of the game. Um, a, a lot like a scripted play, seemingly. So um, that was very good to see, like a later later on. And I, what I liked about that play also is I do think he's starting. Uh, he being Matt Lafleur, starting to realize that he's got to figure out a way to get tight end like production in this game. Um, just Jimmy Graham, he was hurt, but he's done nothing two games in a row. Shutout has a penalty. And it, it, it just got destroyed in blocking again for the second week in a row. I mean, probably like the 22nd week in a row for Jimmy Graham getting destroyed in blocking. But uh, he, he's awful. Um, that, that's just a position that needs to produce in this offense for it to be good. Um, one, one note I picked up actually reading McGinn's column is um, Alan Lazard played 14 plays and he blocked on 13 of them. Uh, <laughs> so um, just, just something to keep an eye on for the next game. Like Alan Lazard's a giant man. Like he is... He's essentially the size of a tight end, and um, I got to go and actually watch him play a few plays. But it sounds like they kind of used him as a tight end in his very small amount on the field. So um, it's good to see Vitaly get some run, and Lazard may be getting worked into that um, with some practice routes last week. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing against the Eagles if he actually makes some hay because I assume the rope is short on Geronimo Allison, who also no showed in this game. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I would like to see more from Bob Tanyan. He obviously had that one pass that he seemed to just completely stop. Not not entirely stop, but I mean, he really just enough. quit on his route. Yeah. Um, Probably should have been a touchdown. Was another pretty good throw from Aaron, seemingly. I guess going back to your first question you asked me, that's the other thing that had me the most excited was this was the best touch I've seen from Aaron in three games now. His crossing routes have been kind of back hip after uh, the first couple of games. Uh, he was getting guys in stride. You know, that Vitaly pass, he had a couple to Adams and uh, MVS just in stride that were better throws than he's made in the first two weeks. So it, it looks like the timing's working a lot better on the offense too. And and that was a big plus for me this week. Yeah, that's true. Um, a lot of his like kind of bad Aaron-esque throwaways seem to be on busted plays. There's a uh, a, a segment in the third quarter where he threw it into the ground three times in a row, and it really just seemed like everybody ran the wrong route three times in a row. It wasn't like Aaron scrambling and throwing it away. That happened a couple times um, I picked up on just where I, I think he ran like RPOs where receivers were blocking downfield and they should have been looking to catch passes. Um, that was definitely the case on that one. Uh, so uh, I think on plays where he was trying to pass, yeah, he was pretty good. Um, and he did not get sacked um, the, for the first time in a year and a half. Um and, and really also, cool. of course, the Broncos did not get a sack for the third straight game, which is incredible. Like the Woodpecker convention over here, we were knocking on wood every time. It was like the announcers were trying to make it happen. Because so <laughs> I'm very superstitious in that regard. It was like, stop, stop talking about it. You're going to make this happen. Well, it was like that. It was like the Bengals game when Collinsworth wouldn't shut up about how Aaron Rodgers has only thrown two pick sixes in his life. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Collinsworth can shut up forever as far as I'm concerned. It's, yeah. But it did not happen, um, and he typically runs himself into a lot of sacks. He was getting the ball out on time a lot better. Um, yeah. uh, also, like very little running from him this year too. He really is either 
throwing it away or completing a pass and you know or taking a sack but he's not scrambling as much either which is an odd development um but probably makes sense to keep him healthy so um anyway let's see here it was it was a, a a good enjoyable game. Um, got a little closer than it needed to, but part of that was again kind of bad luck. Mason Crosby missing field goals and um, Philip Lindsay being I don't know covered in Vaseline or something. Who knows? Um, it, <laughs> well, so being I thrown just, around by his own lineman at one point, which I is just, I just can't something. believe that we're seeing a dude who weighs as much as a wet fart successfully running between the tackles. Like it's it's fourth and goal. Or it's short, goal and short, whatever. And Lindsley's runs it up the middle and manages to break out of four tackles. Like like that dude weighs less than my bench press. That that Lindsley run on fourth down. If you go back and watch that again, to Reisner, who I was really hoping the Packers were going to draft this year, uh, the K State guard, just picked him up and suplexed him into the end zone. <laughs> You're absolutely not allowed to do that. <laughs> it cost us the game, but. I've never seen another human being try that. So <laughs> that was a very weird play for me. Yeah. It was very obvious that the, you go watch it. I mean, like he grabs him and spins him. He's tackled. That play was over. The Packers are getting the ball and Reisner just flips in the end zone. My guess is the referees had just never contemplated a human being doing that. I think that's probably right. And if you haven't seen it before, you don't know how to call it immediately. You can block somebody into the end zone. You cannot pick them up and carry them in you cannot <laughs> lock arms you cannot lock arms it specifically says and <laughs> force people in either well so, yeah. maybe he just if he picked him up with outstretched arms maybe that's that's allowable <laughs> it's it, i mean i actually i did not know that rule it's the plot of an entire nutty professor movie from 1954 so um very <laughs> sad yeah, um, I made somebody very angry on Twitter. Called me a homer for pointing out that rule and whatever, man. <laughs> hey, rules are rules. I mean, well, we're reviewing so for the, pass interference now, so <laughs> you could use the Douglas Adams quote for Twitter, and it would be very accurate. Like in the beginning, Twitter was created, and it was generally seen as a bad <laughs> idea and made many people very angry. <laughs> it's so true. Twitter is awful. Okay, yeah. so. Um, since the tight ends are all terrible, and since most of the receivers, except for Devonta Adams and maybe MVS, are terrible, I did want to ask you guys. So, of your your, your five eligible positions that you're allowed to have on a play, um, what's your ideal personnel lineup at the moment? Um, it, it, because I'm I'm kind of sick of a lot of the guys, and I think mine right now is Adams. I got to do MVS just kind of by default, even though I don't really like him either. Um, and then. Um, I think it's Jamal Williams, but we'll get to in a second. And then Vital and Lazard, I want to see more of, because um, they did something there. And I'm sick of all the other tight ends. I like Bob, but he's dropped too many for me. So, um, who, who do you like as your five um, actual like starting, receiving, running back, tight end people? Matt, you can go first. Jonathan's right. pointing well, to you. I mean, Adams and MVS by default. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I still think that I still think that uh, Aaron Jones is the more talented runner given the the uh, opportunity but Williams you are right like has has really shown a lot this year um, but I'm still I'm gonna take Aaron Jones uh, as much as I love Vitali I think I would rather have large Robert but you know what <laughs> actually I would take I would take uh, big Bob and Vitali so basically your setup but I would take uh, Bob over 
alien lizard. Okay, that's a fun that's a fun little setup there. I like that. You can do a lot of positional adjustments on that. Yes, and I'm talking like like Vitali in motion, split him out wide. Yeah, putting Bob in the slot, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> yeah, mine was similar to that. I got Adams MVS, uh, Jones Vitali, and Tanyan. Uh, I think putting Tanyan as like an H back out there, even out of the eye, even motioning Jones <coughs> or setting up Jones initially out there and doing a double slot, uh, having that sort of setup with uh, Vitali in the backfield. Uh, would would be interesting because he could run or go out on the passes there. I think it gives him a bunch of options, short, medium, and long on that. Um, and also, of the tight ends, Bob's kind of that middle ground. I love Mercedes Lewis blocking, but I need to have a tight end who's going to catch. Bob isn't the best blocker, but he's <laughs> he's at least going to try. He's better I than Jimmy. Graham so. <laughs> is watching as much as I am when it's a run play. He's just disinterested. <laughs> But at least he's really slow and can't catch. Yeah, he's so, got going for him. So well, it it wouldn't be an episode of reporting. He's eligible if we didn't talk about a meme. And <laughs> okay, I made that one about Jimmy Graham the other day. Oh, that was great. Okay, yeah, so, you, you describe the meme, please. So, <laughs> so I took a video of Jimmy Graham heavy air quotes blocking um, on a. It was like third and twenty eight, and they threw a pass. And Jimmy Graham literally stood there and watched two Vikings go by him, one of which made the tackle. And then I immediately cut to the credits and the theme song of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, yes. That was great. Um, That made a lot of people very, very mad at Jimmy Graham. Yeah, you turned a lot of people on Jimmy there, I think. It was not a good tape session. I'm sure it was bad in the locker room the next day, too, when they did film study. (laughs) So... (laughs) um, if you check the, there's a way you can check quote retweets. I can't remember exactly how you have to search it, but um, there were easily a hundred people that quote tweeted it and said, "Cut this this bum now. He's going to get someone hurt. I don't care what the cap implications are. I don't want him on my team." I I don't know that I can go that far. I mean, I don't I know what you are on that, but I'm like, what's what's even the value of cutting him? So you can just bring up somebody else who's not on a roster somewhere right now. I mean. Right, like maybe they maybe they want us to sign uh, another tackle and have him in jumbo, like because blocking <laughs> is such a big importance. I I think he's so in just in baseball parlance, he's sub replacement. Like I would literally rather have a tight end off the street than Jimmy Graham. Um, I mean Evan Bayless is there. I'd rather have him. He can block at least. He, he's terrible as a receiver, but um, I, I would rather have literally anybody else than Jimmy Graham at this point. Um, he listen the active roster, or is he just practice? I, can't I think remember. he's just practice squad. I don't think he was active. He didn't show up on stats at all. So, oh, Evan, he um, they signed him, but he was inactive. He like, was, so okay. he's 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 on the fifty three, but they did not put him on the forty six. Got it. Okay. Perfect. All right. So, real quick, I wanted to talk about Jamal Williams par- partially because um, I've been a big like pro Aaron Jones person forever because he's legitimately a very good runner. Um, he has always gotten a little bit short shrift time-wise because he wasn't a good pass blocker for a while. And while he showed some receiving chops in college, he hasn't really turned into that in the pros. He's gotten better this year at both of those things. But so two years ago, Jamal Williams was actually a top five back in terms of receiving DVOA, which DVOA is football outsiders efficiency stat. It's a rate stat. So you don't need to play a lot to have a good one. It's just how you did on every given play. Last year, he wasn't as good. Neither was Jones. But this year, as of right now, he's fifth among all running backs in receiving DVOA. And um, 
you can see it on the field. Like when he's catching passes, he's making a lot happen. He scored on that screen pass last week. He's generating yards every time. Um, and Jones has gotten, uh, it's, it's been bad matchups for between the tackles runners. The Bears are great at stopping it. The Vikings are too. So Jones numbers are bad. I'm sure they'll get better. But for what LaFleur does with wanting to run kind of, you know, chunk plays out of heavy sets, is Williams actually a better a better person to have? Um he is probably a better receiver. He's probably better in pass blocking. He is probably a slightly better power runner than Jones is. So I could see him being a better fit and really cutting into Jones. And uh, Jonathan, I'll start with you as just as also the fantasy guy um, for the site. Um, what do you think about Jones going forward from both perspectives? I think in terms of fantasy, the the first big thing is that Aaron Jones gives you more of the bulk because he's been getting the bulk of the carries. So he's still... I guess at this point in RB two, to speak in the the fantasy yep. part, he's he's in that you're you're going to play him because every just about every league is going to have two running backs starting. Um, Jamal Williams, if he gets more of a, more touches, he's definitely going to have the value. The thing that that goes with the Lafleur offense is the cutback. Both of them are very good at it. Uh, like you said, Williams is going to be a little bit better with the power. Jones is very good kind of we say in the wash you know like if he's got kind of people around his feet his balance is just so good jones runs runs like that and he's he's able to get off of arm tackles not necessarily by powering through but by being able to make sure he maintains his balance both of them are good in the passing game it's just going to be a usage issue in terms of the fantasy value uh, my article i think for this week should be up tomorrow it's it's submitted so <laughs> and I, you don't start williams until you see it you know, until you see him get enough carries to be of value, I wouldn't start him anywhere. Uh, I'm definitely starting Jones at this point because of the value in terms of his overall usage. Uh, he's run against um, good defenses. The problem is I wouldn't... He's a low-end RB2 this week because... Philadelphia's um, awesome against DVOA the run. Yeah. For, the, for the Eagles, is a very good run DVOA, yep. and the pass should actually be what gets us our fantasy points this week. Um, that said... I love watching Jamal Williams run because he is so um, just so he, he's downhill. And I love the enthusiasm and the anger he has. Um, I believe uh, tenacious is the word you're looking for. Well, what I was looking for is um, I, I'm a Boston Bruins fan as well, because I, I grew up in the UP playing hockey for a little bit yeah. when I was four till eight. And uh, I love the Bruins because my uncle was going to Harvard at the time, used to send me Bruins stuff. And I can't root for the Blackhawks because the they are the reason there's no pro hockey in Wisconsin. Um, but uh, he's like Brad Marchand. He's a little ball of hate. Uh, <laughs> he's he a rolling ball of hate and just moves through the field uh, just on sheer willpower and anger at times. And it's wonderful to watch. And it's, it's, I like how he runs because he runs with a, a great enthusiasm and fervor, if if you will. <laughs> so, Matt, what do you think? Pro, um, pro or anti keeping Jones going? Um, I, I assume pro, but how, what do you want the split to be between the two? I honestly think it should be situational. When we were watching stretch plays to Williams, I was pulling my hair out. I think that Aaron Jones should always be your outside the tackles back. Um Williams is is a phenomenal power runner, and like you said, he 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 runs with an anger. Um, I I like the thunder and lightning combo, but as you said, Williams has really shown a lot more utility so far than Aaron Jones has. <laughs> um, 
do I think that makes him the lead back? Probably not. I think LaFleur's offense is kind of predicated on quote unquote success in the run game. But um, Williams has shown, I, I, like, I don't even think it's even a question who the better blocker is at this point. I think it is Williams, yeah. like, hands down. And keeping Aaron upright to me is the more important thing. And so maybe, man, like, saying it out loud, like, maybe I am finally so, team Jamal Williams. Yeah, I think this we might be looking at more of a Patriot situation than maybe we've anticipated earlier, where... They just get running backs to be specific skill guys and play them a ton in any given game, depending on what the matchup is, which is infuriating for fantasy players, but works really well from a real life perspective. Um, and that might be it. Like, if if they were if the Packers were the Patriots, they'd probably play Jamal Williams like seventy five percent of snaps against the Eagles just for receiving purposes, because running into that line is pointless, and that's not what Jones is good at. Um, we'll see what they actually do, but. That, that I think that might be kind of what you have, where if you run into a you know bottom 15 run defense, you can generate a lot of good offense with Aaron Jones in his normal game. But there's definitely a reason to use Williams um, early here against all these defenses. He really kind of does fit better. So um be interesting to see what happens going forward. I, I would stay away from all running backs in this game for the Packers, to be perfectly honest. But uh, yeah. <laughs> you can probably do better. Um all right. Also, Jamal Williams, they use him uh, at Lambeau for the, the quiet down message. So to, to try and get people to stand up and cheer, they have like Blake Martinez all the time yelling like, everybody get loud. He, Williams is the quiet one, and he's great. Like People were like cracking up at it. It, it wasn't working because he was funny. Just like, quiet down, everybody. Shh. We're trying to work here. <laughs> he was really good. Um, so um, that's more wise. If you can, Rex Burkhead's probably available in your league. And I already got him. Likely somebody <laughs> who can play. He's a below 50%. I believe he's like 35 or 40% owned in most leagues. So he's one of the guys you could pick up if you've got a, a Jones or a Williams this week. Yep. I, I picked him up. I have, I have Devin Williams, too, who who knows if he's going to play. So I needed a, needed a replacement. I have Saquon in a bunch of leagues, too. So Oh, yeah. yeah. Yikes. Sorry. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, we're picking at the end of round two as well. <laughs> yep, it, uh, not great. Um, So I did pick up Wayne Gallm in a bunch this week. Yay. Oh, yeah. Decent pickup on that. Yeah, it's fine. Um. <laughs> Is what it is. That's that's the the risk of taking running backs and relying on them too much. Um, that's all right. My wife drafted Andrew Luck, and then picked up Foles to replace him. <laughs> oh um, no! Had Antonio uh, Brown on her team, so but she's two and one. So yeah, all right. That's good. how she's making it work. Her team is called O oh, for Luck's sake. <laughs> all right. So um. Jared does a number every week, um, and I'm not as good at it as he is. But uh, the one thing we've seen so far this year from the Packers is a lot of 16s. Um, they've allowed 16 points two games in a row. Um, they had exactly 16 first downs versus Denver. And uh, w- one thing I wanted to talk about is the pace of games so far, because one of the things that's definitely true about the LaFleur offense is it's much, much slower than the McCarthy offense. Um, they're on pace to run 80 fewer total plays this year than last year. Um they have well part part of that is the offense is not sustaining drives but they're definitely taking more time to get plays off they like to run it down um do you have any any opinion and you're speaking i was like sorry um ah there he is um paul's back i'm back yay sorry (laughs) technical difficulties everybody um 
All right. So any opinion on how slow they are? Um, they are really taking their time. They're very deliberate. They do a lot. They've run the ball um, 64% of the time this year versus 54% last year. Um, part of that's game flow and being in the lead. Part of it's not. But, um, do you think it's a good idea, given that their defense is really you know, driving the team, to actually slow it down a little bit? Or would you like to you know, get Aaron those 10 extra plays a game to maybe put a few more points on the board and speed things up and maybe get him in rhythm a little more? Um, I, I see the slowness as a little bit of problematic for the, the postscript portion, where it doesn't seem like they get into a rhythm. It seems like they kind of do occasionally just run into lines and put them in bad down and distance and kind of waste a few drives in the middle of the game. So I'm not a fan of that. I guess I don't, in terms of, of the total number of plays that they're going, I think part of that is just a, a system or, you know, like a bug or whatever of, of what's going on in terms of the amount of running they're doing, just keeping the clock moving. Uh, and they're getting to the line faster than they used to. I mean, they're, they used to just roll up with six seconds left. Now they're getting up there with, a lot of times, 10 to 13 seconds. And it looks like there's a couple more checkdowns that happened this year as opposed to last year. So I don't know if it's a, a product of just not paying attention or anything. I think it's just the the style in which they're playing has allowed for just kind of the clock to run more than what they've had in, in the past. And they're just not getting as many plays in. Um which is, I guess, surprising to hear that because also the defense has been way better. So we've been spending less time watching the defense struggle their way down a field backwards, like a, like a I don't know, like a crab or something. though, <laughs> but whatever. Defense has been good, but they have allowed a lot of yards. So um, they have been a little bit bend but don't break. And, you know, they've had a couple end zone interceptions. Um, they have not forced a ton of three and outs. So I think that's part of it too. But... It's definitely it's definitely slower. I, I think the pace is just a little bit weird to me because you know the, the the way you look at just offense generally is if you're a good offense, you want to run as many plays as possible. Like you want to um, you know points are your thing. You want to get your offense on the field. You want to do as much as you can. Um, it's usually the bad offensive teams to try and slow things down and limit possessions in a game. So I think it's a little bit of a weird fit. But I, I guess given what they actually have, maybe it's not. Um, but it's it's also less entertaining to watch. So I mean, I, I like I like the fast paced teams. They're just more entertaining generally too. Like get the offense looking better before they start speeding them up. Yeah, you know, the, we used to say for room clearing stuff in the army, we say is uh, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. That's also oh. uh, very commonly said in the auto racing. Um, if you're doing like a big like a hammerhead turn, you have to take it much slower than you would want to, but they say slow is smooth, as smooth is fast. It's yeah. it's, it's pretty universal. I, I understand yeah. the, the sentiment. I, I use it when I'm coaching my high schoolers. I was like, get your footwork first, get yourself ready first, and then we'll speed it up from there. I'd rather see the technique. And at this point, in terms of the more macro level, I'd rather see this offense start to figure out who they are a little bit more under the system before they start speeding themselves up, I guess. It, it's something that bears watching, I guess, from now on, and I'll, I'll definitely be paying more attention to it as we go forward now that you bring it up. But I, I guess it's not, it's not the biggest thing to worry <laughs> not about. Not a big concern? It's All not right. the biggest. There's other things to worry about on this team than that. I, I suppose think. that's true. That's uh, the thing I'm going to keep an eye on now, though. So. And I, I um, actually, it's funny. We had uh, ESPN is, is pretty much always on in the break room at work. And I was walking <laughs> through today. And they're talking about the Packers, and they said, uh, 
they were saying something along the lines of the defense isn't sustainable and the offense is 21st in overall production. So the Packers are just, you know, cruising for a bruising as they go on through the season. Um, I think that expecting a first year in an offensive system to just take off like a shot is just asinine. It's, it's not going to happen. And it is something that we need to be patient with and, and let the offense get its own, rhythm under the little four system. And then maybe, maybe in week nine, we can start judging about tempo <laughs> and, and splits and that kind of stuff. No, the one thing I, say is I guess the, the one thing that might not be sustainable is the amount of turnovers the Packers have been getting because turnovers are a, but a bunch more random than they are sustainable. And the three and outs, like Paul said, have not been the biggest thing for this, this offense. And then, you know, we've won a couple games by getting picks and turnovers near end zones. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's good, but it's lucky too. And those are huge swing plays. So, I, excuse me, I had to spend an entire off season hearing from all the Bears fans about how turnovers are sustainable, and it's something that you can rely on year to year. Oh yeah, it's totally yeah. true. Just look at Haha yesterday, Get, getting his two picks. <laughs> so I do, I do work with one Bears fan, and he and I were talking this morning, and he's like, he's like, man. Haha is so bad. He goes, I don't care what the stats say. The only reason he got that that uh, pick six was because he was out, out of position. position. Yep. And I was like, you're, yeah. I was like, you're my favorite Bears fan. You know now. Now you've seen my, it. My brother was at the game this weekend too with his, his wife and his stepchildren, and they they live in Peoria, so he he deals with it. Uh, the struggle is real <laughs> there. So so he's also dealing with Cubs and Cardinals fans in Peoria. <laughs> yeah, you get you get all types down there. That's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, I feel like the Bears weren't the the, the Bear fans weren't too um, overzealous on that win yesterday. I think most of them understood that Washington is just garbage, and that um, that wasn't a real good Trubisky game or a real good haha game. Even though you know the Bear defense played great, which is what they do, so um, that's fine. But the, I, I hope would, they don't make too much hay because they're going to get annoying again if they do. I would compare. <laughs> Haha's game yesterday to Jarrett Bush in the Super Bowl. That's a good <laughs> like, comp. That's uh, really good. That's, that's great. Just a, a guy who happens to have a reputation based on the ball falling into his lap. Haha's whole career is that. He's terrible. All right. Well, I, I'm trying to think of like a really bad postal service pun to just say like Haha's the king of airmail, but I got, I got. A- <laughs> That's good enough. That, yeah. that works. I got it. It's hard to make male puns. It's a very boring thing. That's why, that's why, like, you know, you go to FredEx um, for that. So. <laughs> well, I guess I was, I was trying to put a lot of effort into it without just mailing it in. Ah. Uh-huh. Full circle. There we go. So, another number 16 that we should talk about is uh, Touchdown Jesus, Jake Kumaro. <laughs> Uh, yes. So uh, only because uh, one, we ha- we did have one question this week, which was, do we want to see more Kumaro? And um, I'll get to the person who said it later. But I think, yeah, because Allison's done nothing. So somebody's got to go into that number three spot and actually do something. But Kumaro was out this week. He was injured. So um, that's one reason we didn't see him. And he does seem to get hurt kind of a lot. Um, so I know he's an Aaron favorite, allegedly. Aaron says that about a lot of people. But he does seem to really have a real big trouble staying on the field, and he really hasn't produced yet. So um, uh, he's not, you know, he's a good home state 
story, whatever. But I, I kind of wonder how good he actually is. Um, he's white. <laughs> I, he, he's also we, white yes, water. You meant water. The great white water hope. Um, and he's old. He's not like a young prospect. He, he's like twenty seven or twenty eight. So um, I, 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 I won't be surprised if he's like actually kind of off the team by the end of the year. <laughs> um, but yes, he probably will get a chance soon because Allison's just been awful. Um, I think they'll try anybody in his spot next week. I, would, I think actually Darius Shepard might get a lot more run next week. I think part of the problem with Allison is um, they have played him a lot in the slot. He's not really a natural slot player. He's not very shifty. And Shepard's the only guy on the team who is, so that's my pick next week to actually show up a little bit more than you might expect. The only concern I have with, with Shepard is that, obviously, they're, he's the guy in the return game now, and how much do they want to put him elsewhere if he's going to be... I mean, what are they, who's returning if he's not there? Is it ah, Tremont. Other Tremont. The third Smith brother. Ah. <laughs> uh. I, oh, it's Trey. Is it? Is it? Is the other Tremont actually Tremont, or is it Tremont? I've never heard his name said out loud. I have no idea. But <laughs> well, then he's very good. In, until <laughs> the we third, yeah. the third Smith. Yes, the computer made him up, so we can say it however we want. <laughs> we just call him Squirt. <laughs> hey, speaking of computer made up players, did you guys see that uh, John Bo- Boy Boss Boss? I can never say his last name correctly. John Boyce. Um, he did a. Uh, like a side project, sort of like Breaking Madden, where he destroyed the NBA. Uh, I saw it, but I did not watch it. So basically, he made creative players that were all 40 overall and forced the league to draft them and made the NBA terrible within 20 years. <laughs> um, but the 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 computer fought back and started creating its own players that were like 60 overall, and they ended up becoming dominant all-stars in his horrible, hellish landscape. Hmm. Um, and it's funny because Traymond Smith is exactly the kind of name that the computer made up. Of course it is. That is what, I mean, it, we're just getting computer-generated players in real life. Now we just don't realize it. Um, my, my favorite ever computer-generated computer player for me was in um, MLB 2K2. I got wand sheets on my brewer team after a while. Um, ah. My favorite is an NCAA football game. We had a guy named Luke Patton who was a fullback that led the entire NCAA in pancake blocks and had a bunch of receiving yards in, in a Wyoming offense that I was running. Uh, my dog's name is Patton, and people think it's the general, but he's named after a fictional NCAA character yeah. from Wyoming. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Is, um, this, is, is this the time to segue into my Madden face of the franchise? Yeah, player? I think that's what we're all shooting for. So, <laughs> <laughs> so with the death of Fart McDuty, rest in peace, um, I started a new player. His name is Stuart Madrores, but his friends call him Squirt. So uh, he, too, got drafted by the Broncos. After the first season, I forced them to release him. Um, he was, he was offered contracts by the Giants and the Buccaneers, um, signed with the Giants, played one game with the Giants, realized how awful and hellish that landscape was <laughs> and reverted back to an old save and went back to the Broncos. <laughs> so, uh, currently Squirt Madrores has two MVPs to his name. All right. Pretty good so far. See, I would buy Madden, but now I know that my entire experience with Madden will pale in comparison to just listening to yours. 
<laughs> I appreciate. I don't know that. what to do. Um, I, I did my life. <laughs> I did also kind of make Madrors look like if uh, Paxton Lynch hit the gym just like once. Hmm. So he's That's, very very tall. He's very tall. He even has the Iron Man goatee, <laughs> and he has the most annoying voice I could give him. Wait, you can give people voices in Madden? Oh yeah. So in in uh, Face of the Franchise, there's a whole storyline like you play through college and you go to the combine and do interviews and stuff i did not know that one of those ones with a limited run of colleges you can go to yeah there's there's only like 10 colleges that you can choose from and then you play in the uh playoff semifinals and then you play in the national championship game if you win that then you go on to get interviewed by teams at the combine um there's one where you're talking to the dolphins and they're like give me your phone i want to look through your internet history and if you say no, he's like, well, then I know I can trust you with your playbook. <laughs> they don't ask you what your mother did as a profession or anything like that. Um, there is one when you're talking to uh, Washington, they're like, you're traveling on a bus in Alaska that's going 100 miles an hour. Are you sitting in the front, the back, or the middle of the bus? <laughs> this is the best. Uh, no. Oh, man. I want to see you actually have that interview. That would, that would be amazing. <laughs> So wait, are they real colleges? Yeah, they're so so. Uh, um, both Fart McDuty and Squirt Majors went to USC. Um, your other options are Texas Tech, Florida. Um, yeah, but they're real colleges. So okay, yeah, NCAA or no? I'm sorry, it's uh, the um, NBA 2K does something like this too. But there's like four schools or six schools or whatever. That's I'd say there's there's about a dozen. That's in, in fascinating. That. So so those colleges are still getting video game license money. Um, yes. Okay. Yes. Colleges. Yep. That's but great. Those, but they don't use real players. Like I, the, I, the problem with NCAA I had determined that they're using, <laughs> they're using amalgamations of players or, or uh, analogs of players, um, just with different names. Yeah, it's a good strategy. It's what um, you do. The Super Nintendo college basketball game did that. They made Shaq a 7-2 white guy, and nobody could tell. So, um, Except his stats were exactly the same. Uh, McCaffrey, some sort of uh, African-American. So <laughs> they're kind of on that same track. Yeah. All right. Very clever of them to, to backdoor the reemergence of that video game. Um, I can't play Madden because I can't play anything that's that much of a sim because I can't put that much time into something like that. It would just drive me nuts. Um, but respect people who do. I know it's... A, it's still a good game. <sighs> All right, so we well, have the. So I, oh. I guess like with with McDuty, um, I I went absolutely nuts and just made made the team as much mine as I possibly could as the quarterback. Like Philip Lindsay will send you text messages if you don't give him enough runs. He's <laughs> like, hey man, I need more touches. I can't I can't help the team if you only give me two touches a drive. So I started calling halfback angle and throwing him high passes over the middle until he. Uh, uh, ruptured his Achilles and broke his sternum. So I'm like, how's your touches now? Suck it. <laughs> Best ever. I would just get angry, especially because of real life, and then probably never give him the ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so it, he was happy he was getting touches, and then he almost died. So everyone ends up happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everybody ends up happy. Um, very nice. <laughs> All right. Well, we, so, so the Eagles. The Eagles. We have the Eagles this week, um, <laughs> who are all hurt, possibly because some evil eleventh dimensional Matt-like figure has controlled them into injuring all of their good players. Um, 
So we get them on Thursday. Packers are pretty healthy. Eagles are very much not healthy. Um, looks like Alshon Jeffrey will play. I don't think Deshaun Jackson will. Um, uh, their number one corner is out, which is great. Um, but uh, I, I think this is a good test for Lafleur because he, he really likes to do what he likes to do. But the Eagles are just begging for an unbalanced attack against them. Um, this is not a new thing with them. They were much better against the run last year, too, than they were the past. It's more extreme this year. Um, if this was the Patriots coming in, they would throw the ball like 60 times, 70 times, um, and not run barely at all, just enough to keep them honest. Um, what do you guys think the run-pass splits will be in this one? Do you think Matt sticks to his kind of 60-40 guns, or do you think he turns it around and lets Aaron wing it out on this one? I think he still loves the the run, so yeah, I still think it's going to be 60-40. He might lean more the other way, unless they can get out into a lead. Um, but yeah, this is an injured team, and also yeah, they're they're. I can't remember exactly. I was looking through it earlier, but their DVOA on pass is something like twenty seventh or twenty eighth in the league, and yep. their their DVOA and run is like third. Yep, I think it was so, it was second. I'm not sure if I saw that before it was updated though. But I last week they held on Johnson of the Lions to um, thirty seven yards rushing on twenty carries. Yeah. Um, and again, like, don't give him twenty carries if that's the case. Like, that's that's just right. bad job um, by. At some point, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at their 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 practice stuff from today. Uh, Court Clement was limited. Darby Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, and Tim Jernigan were all did not practice. Yeah, they. Derek Barnett uh, limited practice. Everyone else looks full practice though. Alshon was full practice. Godert was full practice. Uh, Nate Sudfeld, of course, we were all worried about him. He was full practice. Uh, yeah, geez, Packers had a ton of limited practice. Today. They did. So yeah, that's something strange to look at too, including Zadarius. Zadarius was on there, yeah, I saw that. And Lake, and of course Kumaro. Kevin King was full practice, so yeah. Uh, I I would throw more than run. I mean, just that's where they're weak, and you want to get the ball out, and you want to throw at this team. They've been trying to build some pass rush, but they definitely have turned out to be a better run stopping team than a pass stopping team. And you should go at them where they're weak and make them have to focus on that more than anything else. And that might even open up the run later. Yep. Yeah, that's. I mean, once again, we're gonna we're gonna come to me going. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, I think that's on. what they should do. What do you think? What do you think Matt will do in this game? Honestly, so yeah, what they should do is is throw run eighty twenty. Yeah. What they probably will do is sixty five forty five or sixty forty. Yeah, I think that's about right. This question is basically how mad am I going to be next week? So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you seem like a rage monster. Well, n- nothing gets me madder than than running into uh, a, an unrunnable front like too many times. Uh, one of my first ever Acme Packing Company articles was on, on Mike McCarthy doing it to the Lions when they had like their number one run defense, and um, w- the Packers ran like twenty five times for like forty yards. And after the game, McCarthy said that they just couldn't get enough balance. Like, uh, and he, what he was saying is like we didn't run successfully enough, but like. That game, again, was begging for an 80-20 pass run split, and they lost the game because they ran the ball pointlessly 25 times. So you, it just ticks me off. Last week, did you go see Dude Perfect? I know you guys talked about that before. Rage Monster is a constant theme in the Dude Perfect universe. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the, recent, the recent Dude Perfect video, uh, <laughs> the Rage Monster destroys a three-season room. It's, it's quite nice. The Rage Monster in fishing is pretty fantastic because... I don't know how you do that, but it's great. But yeah, that's that's where I get um, 
but only in divisional games. So this game I won't <laughs> go raid conquer. But yeah, I think they've got the formula in this game for how to beat the Eagles, especially at home yep. on a shortened week. You, you attack this defense in the pass, and then you let your defense come at this this offense and try to see what you can do in, in terms of slowing them down because I think the offenses are going to be a little bit slowed down, even though my own article says that the statistical data shows that the slowdown on Thursday night games isn't necessarily all that important. <laughs> I don't know. It still seems like it's there. They seem, still seem like dirty, ugly games. Um, I think you attack them in the passing game and try to get ahead. I just, I, I fully see Paul staring at his TV, holding his, uh, I don't know, probably let's call it a new Glarus moon man. And <laughs> in, his, in his infinitely even toned anger, going, Matt, I thought you were supposed to be smart. <laughs> yeah, maybe, except I don't really think that. So, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm predicting he's going to be dumb. So I, I, he's got he's to prove to me that he's smart first. I, I, think th- this I don't know is, if he's talking to the coach or to you. <laughs> to well, me. I'm, I'm super dumb. I think we've all established that. <laughs> nah. I named my quarterback Squirt Madrors. Super all- dumb. We've all done things. <laughs> I should pre-write my article on it and just see how right it is after the fact. <laughs> Perfect. I bet Tex would run it. Um, all right. Let's move on to questions because questions are fun. And we got like 25 of them. Uh, yeah, we, we got a lot of questions yeah. this week. These were not questions, technically speaking. They were fun, though. We got, we got okay. Yeah, there were several. A lot of them are questions. All right, yeah. so we're not, we won't do all of them because we got a lot. We'll save some for next week. If we don't get you, um, we'll start with Jay Google, who we almost always start with, who is usually the first person. Um, how do you feel about Lafleur? How do you? I'll fix some of the semantics. Uh, how do you feel Lafleur has handled the second half adjustments so far, or just regular in-game adjustments generally, or is it too small of a sample size? And um, I don't really think it's too small of a sample size. It's more of that. Um, people are still learning the offense and in-game adjustments are going to be a little more difficult for people to make until everybody has things down pat. So um, he's obviously struggled a little bit um, when they've gotten out of their initial script. Um, I think he's gotten better every week. I I don't know how much better I would say he's gotten, but I do think it's a little too early to tell. I wouldn't say he's necessarily bad at it yet. They haven't succeeded at it yet. I would like to see him have some more success on it, but uh, it's. I think it's still a little too early to tell. But I'm not impressed with it. It hasn't been good. Um, John, any any difference there? No, I think it's getting better. Like I, I started off today's podcast talking about, like I think that it's it's getting better. The second half looked better this last week than the week before. Um, and, and there's things that they're doing better. I think it's a it's it's like a classic Napoleonic sort of thing. He's probing his uh, his options at this point. He's trying to see the sorts of tweaks he can make, the sorts of things he can do with his offense, and the sorts of things he can do with his personnel group to try to find ways to make things different depending on what's coming up. I mean, he's been a play caller, but to govern an entire team is obviously a different thing. I, I, I think... He, he understands he's in a learning curve and he's he's making some changes. I just want to see continued growth. As I said on my podcast, if he'd have been one and three in this first group, I would not have been shocked. If he'd been two and two in this first quarter of the season, I would have been pretty happy with it because new coaches traditionally just don't start well. It looks better each week so far. It's it's a three game set of you know 
trajectory upwards. So I want to see it continue to go. And I'd like to see him at least in a better spot by week eight. But I guess I'm not frustrated with it because I've seen growth. No, that's fair. Matt, what do you think? I mean, that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> All right. Um, it's, there's been incremental um, increases in his adjustments off script, but I think that his strength is going to come in the ability to pound it in early with his script and how good that is. And if the second half adjustments become marginally better than they already are, then they're going to continue to win some games. Yeah, fair enough. Matt, you can go first on the next one so you can say something other than, oh, yeah, that's about right. Um, yeah, that's about right. So, um, uh, Brendan Kennedy, uh, his is, uh, give me a percentage breakdown of what you think is Roger's trouble, uh, mental, physical, or newness of the system. So, I responded to this on Twitter. I know, I joke. saw. So cool. um, it was a, a picture of a lady with a quote-unquote Karen haircut, um, <laughs> and it said, I'm 33% live, 33% laugh, 33% love. Um, that's exactly what I think it is. I think um, it's it's a perfect mix of all those things and that maybe, maybe Aaron, um, I think the mental and the newness of the system kind of go hand in hand. Aaron's a big trust guy, and I think his uncertainty with the system is also affecting his trust in certain things, which is why you see him still throwing to Geronimo when he absolutely should not. Um, and then physical in that, He's finally getting old, and maybe he can't put everything into what he thought before, which we, we've discussed his quote-unquote loss of arm strength previously and how that's a bit of a misnomer. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a good mix of all three. Like, like he's kind of, maybe he's showing his age, and maybe he doesn't trust the system just yet because he doesn't know it. Yeah, that's interesting. It, and and that, that math that you just gave me there with that also reminds me, my brother one time told me, he's an actuary, and he said that 0.9 repeating is equal to 1, which made me angry. It's, it <laughs> makes me angry as well. It makes everybody yeah. angry, but yeah, I've seen yeah. the proof for it. It's true. I'm sure it's true. I just hate that that's <laughs> the true, limit. Because that can't be, it just doesn't make sense. And I don't trust his reality anymore. <laughs> I don't want to live in his re- reality where that's true. But anyhow, I guess the big thing, I guess, is it because Aaron did so much better in terms of his ball placement this week uh, and the when he had the, the drawn off sides, the first touch on the MVS, the ball placement he had there, his ability to get there. He was he was off platform on several of these big throws and had very good touch this week. I mean, I, I'm hoping it continues. I can't promise any of that, obviously. But assuming that that's part of a trajectory in terms of him understanding the system, uh, the other thing that I think is not mentioned is his ability to kind of understand the people he has around him. One of his quotes earlier in the year is that MVS is so fast, he's still trying to learn how to lead him. Uh, or I mean, that's paraphrasing, obviously. But he was talking about like the difficulty he's had with MVS is that MVS has an amount of speed that makes it difficult for him to understand exactly where to place the ball yet. Um, And that's not obviously the problem with everybody. But I think it's it is more system and personnel than it is mental and physical. He showed that he can still make a lot of the throws. Um, He even against the Bears, he had the drifting to the left, throwing back to the center sort of passes that he was able to make. I think. He understands somewhat. He's not making the throws he used to make. He's not as accurate as he used to be. But I think the biggest thing is he's getting more accurate in the last couple weeks. 
and he's looked a lot sharper in the last couple of weeks. So I think it's not just Nunes' system. And and if we're going to put percentages, I'll give <laughs> that like a 55 and then physical 25 and then, you know, just the, the rest to, you know, in, in the mental there. Because I don't think that the mental is the biggest part. Go I ahead, think- Jonathan. Figure out what is what is the remaining percentage here. It's 20. I like right. that it's the mental that it's hard to do. <laughs> the mental is the, the least one. It's the 20% left. Fair enough. Yeah. I actually, I disagree with I that. I assume that your audience is smart enough to have done that themselves. <laughs> I know, but it was just, it was funny with. I'm with a lawyer. I was told there would be no math. Uh, well, being pedantic about, about 0.9 repeating, and not doing the math <laughs> in the third percentage. Math is, math is all made up. It's, uh, it's all made up. I, no, I mean, I, I was, I was told there would be no math. Any, <laughs> Sorry uh, about the math. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> promise me. I was told. It doesn't sound like something I would say about this podcast, but I guess it's possible. Um, I well, actually, me, I would have no math. I think but. it's more mental than that. Um, just because it, this problem is not new. Um, and I still think that when he lost Nelson four years ago, he 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 got into bad habits that he still hasn't overcome um, and became. More, more of a see it thrower, um, more of a, a time buyer instead of throwing on rhythm, and he still kind of does those things. It's still why he takes sex, still why he, he waits so long to see things come open, and I think he's lost a little bit of his, of his ability to anticipate, um, except with the guys he really trusts. So um, I do think there's some physical breakdown there too. He's definitely not as mobile as he used to be. He gets caught from behind a lot more when he does scramble. Um, so I, I'd actually lean more like like 50% mental, and then like. 20 physical 30 new system um so my split's a little different i i I, I, i'm a little more of um, a pessimist on his ability to rally i need to interject here because this literally just came across my my timeline um we talk about roger's bad habits and and one of those is relying a little bit too much on free plays um michael kist of bleeding green nation uh just posted a video of the touchdown to mvs and said, quote, Derek Barnett lives to jump off sides. He has to be extra careful on Thursday to avoid these free plays. So this might be a time when we see some of Roger's bad habits not be so bad. That's very possible. He's still good at that. Um, it, it's- All I'll say on Derek Barnett is that I have a Barnett jersey number 54, uh, which I've owned since prior to Nick Barnett being drafted because that was my old high school number. And I really wanted the Packers to draft Derek Barnett and make him number 54 solely so that my jersey makes sense again <laughs> to other people. Alas. I have a Barnett 56 jersey. So does the rest of my family, but I was way ahead of them, which was my mistake. Because that cost more. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So, Area Man asked about Kumaro, which we already answered. So, thanks for that. Um, I just I love his his Twitter name is Area Man. It's, it's great. So good. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, uh, Dev, Devlin Farr asked uh, when we could start worrying about Rogers, um, and I think we kind of we kind of answered that there. But um, the, the answer so to that's actually, like a couple I've years got ago. A point to interject. Oh please, the the game that broke Rogers was against the Broncos, and he finally slayed his demon. So maybe we get to see old Rogers back. I'll take it. Sure, why not? I I mean, like if we're if we're gonna get into superstitions and, but yeah, it was like everyone says that that's the game that broke Rogers. If you look at his stats post 
Broncos beating in I think it was 2015. Um, I think it was 2015. It, but he's he has he had not been the same since. But that also includes a broken collarbone and money. <laughs> yeah, and just players getting a lot, <laughs> lot worse. Um, all right, so let's see. Archon fourteen said, "Talk dirty to me about wide receivers." Um, I want to hear Matt do this. <laughs> okay, hang on. <clears throat> I think Jake Kumaro is a terrible option as a third wide receiver, <laughs> and if we have to actually rely on him, we're going to be in some serious trouble. Okay. How's that? Good. That, that that'll work. Deep all day. He's gonna be there for you. And he's <laughs> wide open running around no field. I still think Alan Lazard's the guy to go for on the dirty talk, but well, eh, what do I know? <laughs> he didn't do the voice. No. <laughs> <laughs> I told you Paul has this like infinite monotone that he just pulls out. He's so good as as a, as a host. It's, it's well, wonderful. Talking about any of the Packers receivers that aren't Devontae Adams is sort of dirty talk to some extent. So <laughs> you don't really need to embellish it too much. It, it, it's awful. Um, all right. Um, Jeffrey spelled with too many P's. Um, yeah, it, fabulous. <laughs> is the production of the Smiths and Gary sustainable over the season? The pressure numbers are incredible and I believe would be career highs over 16 games. Um, basically, when will they disappoint us and fall off? Um, so the answer is probably yes. It's it's probably not sustainable at, to this level. Like, they have gotten an absurd amount of pressure on, like, I think it text told us there's like 37% of passing plays. They've gotten pressure on quarterbacks. They've caused a hurry. Um, that's not going to sustain, but it doesn't need to. Um, to have a good pass rush, they just need to have consistent pass rush. If they start to sit around, you know, 2025, 20, that's fine. That's plenty. They just, they've had some, um, some trash offensive lines and Kirk Cousins is immobile and Joe Flacco is immobile. And, um, yeah, th- that won't persist at all season, but, but they've shown enough that they're going to be good. So, um, you don't have to worry that the pass rush is a fluke. This level probably is a bit of a fluke, but th- it'll be there. Those guys are good. They'll, they'll keep getting a lot of pass rush on people. I'm not worried about that at all. I assume that Jeff Feffery um, lives in Minnesota because uh, this is like the most Minnesota sort of thing ever is when will they disappoint us and fall off is how he ends it. This is clearly somebody who has issues and it's just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Look, they're, they're probably going to drop off, but I don't think it's going to disappoint us. I yeah, think that agreed. there's going to be a drop off here at some point, possibly. But I don't think it's going to be substantial. I th- don't think it's going to be drastic or painful. Uh, well, I also think that that yeah. we're we're also discounting the possible emergence of Rashawn Gary coming through, and not just having the two Smiths. If we have a third piece in that, I think that their production might fall off, but the overall defensive production might not. And Kenny Clark's not even mentioned in this pressures. That's also true. Yep, that's also a good point. He's, he's oh, not- and, and it, it, I can't go without saying Jeff Effrey has an elite at. His his at is, my name is Jeff. Is Jeff with PH. Uh, I mean, the Packers are going to play the Eagles, and they're going to play the Cowboys. There's going to be a drop-off with the Cowboys. Most, most <laughs> yes, there will be. And then there's going to be you know Lions and Raiders, and I think they're going to be fine there. Then there'll be a drop-off against the Chiefs. And they'll play the Chargers and the Panthers, and they'll be fine again. They'll play the Giants. We'll see how it goes at that point. 
there's going to be ups and downs in this. It's going to be a fluctuation in a lot of different ways, but I still think they're going to be fine. This defense looks fine. I've bought in after three weeks. I'm I'm sold on this pass rush. Yeah, especially on pass rush. Like that's the, the one thing that I'm very sure is going to keep up. All right. Um, let's let's knock out a couple quick ones here, and then uh, we can we can wrap it up because we are running we are running long so far. Is is a long podcast? Yeah, as long as so also. Far. I'm going to keep it 100 with you guys. This beer was nine percent, and I did not expect it. <laughs> so. Matt got it's drunk over good. the course of the podcast. That's good. Um, so let's see. Um, real quick, for Mad Max 235. Um, hi, Max. Um, which is a bigger problem, Rodgers himself or lack of weapons? Um, is there any particular receiver who would fix this offense? So Jordy Nelson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Wildy. Please please follow with that laughter. That's the only thing that <laughs> keeps me with it. Um, There's a problem. It, it, it starts with the assumption that there's a ton of problems here and there has to be some sort of thing wrong. I, I don't know. I I don't think it's a lack of weapons. I think that the weapons are still growing. That's fair. I, I think there is a lack of weapons, but I also don't think you can fix it. Like, fixing it in free agency would be pre- prohibitively expensive. Um, you just have to draft guys and hope they hit. But it's worth it's worth noting, like, when Rodgers was winning his MVPs, it wasn't just him. It was a bunch of all-pro receivers. It was... Jennings and Driver and Nelson and um, Jim Michael Finley and James Jones, like all simultaneously, those like that receiving core was outstanding. So, um, yes, he is not, um, you know, a one man show. He is also influenced by the people around him. And yeah, if they if they got better weapons for him, he'd be better. Um, And if they don't improve his weapons, this is about what he'll be. So um, I don't know that there's going to be anybody out there to get. Like, I, I've mentioned Mike Evans a few times. I don't think that Tampa Bay will actually part with him, especially not for anything palatable. And there's just not going to be, like, some awesome receiver out there in trade, probably. It happens once in a blue moon, but it, don't expect it. So this is probably what you got. Antonio Brown, I will fight you. <laughs> nobody wants Antonio Brown. Like, literally, nobody wants Antonio Brown. No. Uh, you would actually be surprised. Um, when Antonio Brown was going on his tirade, on Twitter, I was quote tweeting him and saying very mean things about him, and there were a lot of people defending him, and a lot of them were Packer fans. So, I, I would not discount. The, okay, so there's the George Carlin quote said, "Think of how dumb the average person is, and realize that half the people are dumber than that." <laughs> yes, I would not discount the bottom half of the fandom. Okay, but no teams want him anymore. Like no, that's, that's done. Fair. It's well, over. Run going to sign him because he took a jab at craft and you don't attack owners nope <laughs> that's a fair point all right so uh, f- fun historical question that i actually spent some time researching um what is the best defense in packer history um I love this. so um the the best modern packer defense is the 1996 team with reggie white and a bunch of other you know hall of famers should be hall of famers leroy butler etc um that team was amazing on defense. Um, Craig Newsom and Doug Evans, uh, if memory serves, did not get flagged for pass interference once during that season. Um, that was a great team. However, um, I'm not. By the way, I'm only going back so far for this. I'm not going back to Curly Lambeau teams. I don't even know how you judge defense back then. Nobody scored any points. But um, <laughs> um, I dug bias for twenty years. Yeah, but so I did dug, dig through a bunch of other teams. The 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 2010 Super Bowl team w- was very good. Almost certainly the the second best modern. But uh, if you go back to the Lombardi era, um, there's two that really stand out. The best one is probably the 1962 Packers. 
Um, they went 13-1, and one, and they allowed a league-low 148 points over 14 games. Um, the The next lowest total was the Lions at 177. And just to give you some context, um, the Vikings allowed 410 points that year. So um, the Packer defense was outstanding. Um, Herb Adderley had seven interceptions. As a, as a team, they had something like 30 interceptions and 30 forced fumbles, um, which is... Uh, I kind of want to see one of those games in total now just to see fumbling happen. Um, but so that team was outstanding. The second best is probably the 1966 team um, where the Packers allowed 163 points to lead the league. They went 12 and two um, also an outstanding Lombardi dynasty team. So it is probably the 1962 Packers. There's probably some old timey team that had a better defense than that, but like, I don't even know how you'd go about proving it affirmatively so it's all team i'm looking at this cleveland dallas and st louis are in the east and baltimore is in the west yes i love the nfl it's so great what stat is srs strength uh shoot i forgot it's, it's strength because, of something isn't it um, because the 66 team and the 62 team blow everyone out of the water whenever that is yeah. I, since I, I since I have a a uh, JPEG and not the actual site up, I cannot tell you that. <laughs> I'll do it later. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, it reminds me of the Hank Hill quote. Do I look like I know what a JPEG is? <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, I mean, the '62 team and the '66 team are are almost essentially the same sorts of personnel. Obviously, yes. Just, the '62 team was younger. I mean, it's got and and I love that. The, the the 96 team that the, the team that was the last time a team finished first in both offense and defense yep. yards per game and but, uh, they were first in dvoa too by the way not that anybody cares except me <laughs> no i i care that, that that's super important but man just the, the 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 number of hall of famers on on the the 66 62 teams is is crazy and i i mean and Leroy, but- Leroy Butler should be in the Hall of Fame, and you should go vote on it because there's a vote that's going on. And make sure you go find that. I've shared the link on my Twitter um, to try to get at least some fan support under that. But man, that 62 team, just crazy good. Do you guys uh, mind I, if I rant for a second, please? Just like no. rant while second. I find the fantasy scores, and we can wrap so up here. Everyone talks about that in order to get in the Hall of Fame, you have to have a signature play. And, oh, Steve Atwater, he has the hit on Christian Okoye. That's that's a signature play. And Leroy Butler does not have signature play. He invented the damn Lambo leap. Like, how sig- how much more signature can you get? I don't even know. No, I mean, uh, he should obviously be in. He it was a dominant player of his era. Um, it, he is... Um, in terms of interceptions and sacks combined on a tier with basically just Charles Woodson, um, I think Rod Woodson. I think those are the only three that are in the same ballpark as him. So. And they keep putting John Lynch. John Lynch does not like, deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. It's ridiculous. Know, he is worthless. He is the least important player on those ball, on those, those uh, Buccaneers defenses. He's the guy you threw at. He was. Um, he is not good. He's There's, there's definitely some... Um, Packer fans like certain things about players like John Lynch um, going on there that got him in the Hall of Fame. Um, he's not in yet. Oh, he's not? Well, all right. He's been a finalist like twice now. It's ridiculous. He's he's a far inferior player to Butler for sure. So, 
Absolutely. Just asinine. He's on there. (laughs) All right. Well, I do have to read off the fantasy scores in the listener league because Matt beat me, which is annoying. Um, So Matt beat me 148 to 123, which also is annoying because you scored a lot um, somehow. (laughs) Could work. Um, Let's see. Andy Schaff mentions now two and one. Nice job, Steve, um, over um, Mr. Podscarby. Um, closet surprise. Um, that's Jay Rasmussen. He scored 183 to pace the league, which is really, really high. Um, he got big games from Russell Wilson and Keenan Allen, who each scored in the 40s, which is also ridiculous. And then um, is Haha Elite won their game, which is also great because he's not. Um, nice job, Jay Google. And um, Frank Winter's tribute team beat RIP Fart McDuty. And it's always fun when Ryan loses. So good on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if ryan will change that ever um i hope not um, i hope not because yeah. that is that is like i i made sure that the first thing i did after listening to the podcast was go and congratulate his team name on twitter Ah, <laughs> uh, indeed good good job with your name ryan we all appreciate that you too steve um so um i think that'll do it for us um we have a thursday game this week so the mini pod will be out tomorrow because it has to be out tomorrow or, or it will be useless um and um so thanks to jonathan for joining us got anything you want to plug this week uh no i i got one coming out tomorrow on acme packing i believe it'll be out tomorrow uh which will be wednesday on the fantasy stuff for next week and also uh i beat paul in the acme packing company fantasy football league this week <laughs> i had a rough uh, week whereas the uh, hottest team of the week which is matt is three and oh now um, <laughs> but at least i'm holding on my own at two and one <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, listen to Scotty Johnny podcast. I'd, I'd ask you to go out there and, and find that uh, Johnny spelled J O N N Y. Yes, I am a Jonathan, not a John. Also, for that podcast and this one and any other one you like, um, please rate and review it on iTunes. It helps it go up the charts, helps other people find it, and we like having more listeners. Um, all right, Matt, anything you got coming up? Uh, nope. Just make sure to follow me on social media. Um, follow me on Twitter at Call Me Matub. It is football season, which means that my memes are currently being just churned out very quickly. And if you follow um, Matt, you can see them instead of hearing him talk about them. <laughs> That's a very good. Oh, also, um, at the to the behest of my wife, I have created a second Instagram where all of my <laughs> lifting footage goes now because people are getting sick of it everywhere else. <laughs> so follow me at Metublifts. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he gave out the lifting one to the people. That's good. My Twitter is at not so humble host, um, and you can find all of our podcasts and everything else I write there. All right, so give Jonathan a follow. Thanks for joining us. Um, as for me, I have uh, my Shepherd Express article went up yesterday, um, reviewing the game, the Lambo experience, generally speaking, and um, Kevin King's rough day. Um, I will likely have something up at APC this week, um, though I'm not quite sure what yet. I do owe something on um, the DVOA splits of the defense so far, which is, will be fun to write because they've been good on like, the offense. Um, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, and the mini pod will be up tomorrow, previewing the Eagles game. We'll probably talk about Reggie White and Keith Jackson a little bit since we got both of those players from the Eagles and really needed both of them um, to have a successful Green Bay Packers teams a few times. So. Um, thank goodness they gave up on Reggie White not gave up on but let Reggie White go without resigning him Um, alright so that'll do it for us Um, thanks everybody for listening